Again, you don't want to kick off with a bluesy feeling. Why not? I also think that it's a knee jerk, but it's a knee that I'm willing to jerk. <laughs> oh. um, came jumping out of the water like a mullet fish. Oh, this week. is brilliant. I'm really enjoying this already. <laughs> Bringing Huang in. <laughs> Jumping on the Huang wagon. Can we go with that? That's good, yeah. Jumping on the wagon. The band wagon. Yes. Okay, we've got it. <laughs> Show me a defender in the world who would do better in those situations. You've certainly opened my eyes to the, to the beauty of a centre-back, Tom. KDB. Remember him? <laughs> the game's top scorer from two seasons ago. I'm on a shopping spree, supermarket sweep over at um, Bob Geldof's house. Dale Winton's not knocking on your door, is he? <laughs> yeah. I'd like to change my answer. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Knee Jerks, the FBL show that fills your ears with piping hot stats. And get your knees ready to jerk with me, Tom and Mr. Robbie Scott. How are you doing, Robbie? Very well, Tom. I'm glad that our relationship survived the weekend. The gloves were off, or the oven gloves were off, because of the piping hot stats. Should we go with that? Oh, yeah, like that, Okay, great. Uh, At the weekend. But fortunately, two-all draw means that neither of us are really gloating. Although, you're wearing Man City blue today, Tom. I'm happy with the 2-2, yeah. The way that the first half went, I was obviously very gutted that some of those chances didn't go in. But, you know, the way that Liverpool came out in the second half... The ridiculous like quality of the Salah goal, actually block off the line. Like yeah, I was yeah. happy with the two two. Yeah, Salah was to to thank for both goals. Really, wasn't he? He yeah. was just he was just a class above. Like you said last week, he finds a way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, was thinking, I was thinking, can we have like the Jurassic Park theme tune when we mention it? <laughs> <laughs> just every time. Yeah. The, the pod would be twice as long. I think <laughs> yeah. to have a little music break. Um, how are you finding the international break? Tedious, obviously it always is, but I guess. The Newcastle takeover is quite entertaining. And then I've also hit my button on my wild card. So wow. that's always a temptation on international breaks, and I've given into it this time. It was me last time, you this <laughs> time, yeah. Gives us something to talk about. Yeah, it means that I've been drudging through as many stats as possible to try and work out what I can do with the wild card. And the frustrating thing is that it just feels like a really strong template's forming again. Oh. And now I'm kind of looking at players who are really risky, like Ferran Torres, and just going, yeah, maybe I should do that just to be different. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we'll probably segue into right now is whether I can change things up by dropping really hot, informed players. And I've noticed that Knee Joke of the Week is you know, one of the greatest FBL assets of all time, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Let's get straight into that. I mean, it is a bit crazy that people are selling him, right? Is he going to be fit, you think, for Watford? I'm not sure what the concern is, because I was always under the impression he would just ne- he didn't even really need the City game out. Uh, it was touch and go for that. So I just assumed he would be back, which is, I mean, mainly why I'm keeping him, apart from the fact that I just don't... I think he's undroppable, in yeah. my opinion. I think... Seven, for 7.5, there's no 7.5 midfielders I'd rather than, than Trent. I'd, I'd maybe argue that there's no ten, no one under £10 million that I would really want in my team above Trent at all. He's, as you say, slowly becoming a differential player, and I'm absolutely here for it because it means I'm happy to, to lap up those points. So I'm just looking now. He's gone down to 22% ownership, which is the same as, like players like Vardy I think wow. who who are like considered big differentials his <laughs> his returns in the games that he's played 6 12 4 12 and then one I mean he's, he's just... got Watford next yeah. he's got, like um, Watford could go one of one of two ways for Liverpool you'd like to think or you'd expect it to go 
a more positive route for for, for Liverpool, especially Trent, who could be up for a clean sheet as well. Yeah. But nonetheless, he's the second most transferred player out at the moment, and obviously does have that injury concern hanging over him. There's a lot of people who are going to be eyeing up City and Chelsea defenders, as we'll probably talk about, because they've got good fixtures coming up. And on that point, Cancelo looks like he's picking up those ex-Trent owners, because he's the second most transfer player in. So given some of those uncertainties, what do you think? Is getting rid of Trent a knee-jerk or a shrewd move? I just wonder if it's one game too early. If, if you were asking me after the Watford game, the Liverpool run of Man United, Brighton, West Ham, Arsenal is not that enticing. So maybe people are hopping off early. And like you say, there are better, far better defences out there. It's just his attacking returns. 7.5 for someone that good. Oh, it's got to be a knee-jerk for me, Tom. What about yourself? Is he, is he uh, surviving the wild card? I also think that it's a knee-jerk, but it's a knee that I'm willing to jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he's currently not in my wild card team, but I've definitely got emergency plans in case I need to get him back very quickly because you know he's the most creative player in the league at the moment and like you say he's a he's a 7.5 fullback so he gets a clean sheet points as well so yeah and he's 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 going to be essential again yeah everyone drop him please please do <laughs> and we'll, we'll, let's just see what happens i think as well if we base it on the Watford game even if Liverpool do get a result there we'd be knee jerking to say it was a it was a knee jerk if that makes sense because there are some tough fixtures coming up so I can't, I can't hold it against people uh, for getting rid of him, I don't think. They're not going to get any tougher than the City game, though, probably. And, you know, Trent probably would have got results there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just back him to get results in any game, really. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to have a plan to get him back. But for now, my knee is jerking against him. Yeah, fair. <laughs> so what have we got coming up? Well, I'm going to come back to you in a second for a review of the Knee Jerks League. A lot of movement this week, I noticed. Mm. Then we'll do the usual review of last week. Uh, I'll do my Under the Radar, which is kind of turning into a bit of a submarine theme, right? I've noticed that we keep talking about <laughs> fish that are right at the bottom of the sea that are going undetected. <laughs> Hopefully I'll persist with that metaphor because I know everyone's probably having fun with that. Like that. <laughs> uh, then we'll do the eye test, as usual, and the shopping list, who people are looking to bring in this week. There's quite a few interesting fixture shifts. Um, so we've already mentioned Chelsea and Man City. I think a couple of others, like Southampton and Leeds, also have good fixture runs, so we can cast an eye over some of their players. The discussion around the captains, which I'm intrigued to hear about from you, because... For me, it just feels like a no-brainer, but I know you've got some points that you're going to put forward that might shake that up a little bit, uh, and then we'll finish with the quiz. Yes. How, how, have you gone easy on me this week, Tom? <laughs> please don't even, please don't bash me. My, my dad listens to this, so uh, <laughs> I'd really appreciate it if, I, if uh, he didn't have to listen to me getting embarrassed every week. But, you know, <laughs> maybe that's on me as much as it is you. <laughs> How are we doing for the review of the the league? How, what have you noticed this week? Ah, yes. So, first things first, as always, please join our league. We, we've got a nice, an encouraging pool of teams, but we're always welcoming more. The code is VVYX2S. VVYX2S. As you said, a bit of movement this week. Nothing, from what I could tell, nothing substantial. Only one player used this chip. Slightly unsurprising. 
but I'm expecting there to be far, far more next week. Fields of Cascella reclaimed the top spot, yeah. despite a really poor captaincy pick of Ronaldo. That's uh, always a good, the sign of a good team, right? If someone can get away with a, a, a poor captain. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right there. I mean, well, Ronaldo got two points. I, I, I thought Ronaldo was a popular captain choice, but only two people in our league decided to choose him. Him reclaiming top spot meant that average FM21 enjoyer dropped down to second again, with yourself in third, Tom. But you're still only six points off the top. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy with that, yeah. Now, my, my few picks, and if you've got any, Tom, but my first one is one size fits all. Scott always seems to enter the fold. <laughs> oh, the fold? The fold? Yeah, I'm ar- that, yeah. Around this time of the pod. Uh, he's the runaway top scorer this week, despite only fielding 10 men, which is, you know, I think a situation that a lot of people found themselves in with rotation and Trent being out. His semi-bold move of uh, captaining Vardy. I think owning him is good enough, uh, but you mentioned last week he was a strong captaincy pick, but he was the only person who, who listened to you maybe, or, or decided to put the armband on him, and it really paid off for him. Is Vardy in your in your current wildcard team, Tom? He's not. For the same reasons that we mentioned when we talked about him last week, he kind of gets overlooked because he doesn't quite fit into that exciting superstar bracket of Ronaldo, Lukaku and Salah, but he's a bit too expensive when you're considering you know, some of the other big point scorers like Antonio and etc. Who, who are more down the kind of 8 million bracket. So, yeah, it's, it's always hard to fit him in, but you know what One Size Fits All is showing is that if you do get one of these players and you captain them, then in those weeks, and we did mention, right, last week, that none of the captain candidates were really blowing us away. Like, they all had fixtures that were a little bit tricky. You know, like, we, we said Southampton had done well against big teams, and, and, and so we didn't really expect Lukaku to, to blow Southampton away. Uh, Everton have obviously been fairly decent, so whilst we expected Ronaldo to score, we didn't think it was going to be like the Newcastle game or something. So Liverpool were playing City, so we didn't expect Salah to do that much, but we should have paid more attention to the Jurassic Park rule. Um, <laughs> but, but, but all of that meant that it was one of those kinds of weeks where if you did have the kind of differential option, like a Vardy, or you know, back in the day it might have been a Kane or you know, De Bruyne or something, and you go for it, it can really pay dividends. And that's exactly what's happened with One Size Fits All. And he's showing you know, how taking those gambles can really pay off. And, and, and he's only like, I think, 20, 30 points off us now and after after having a really slow start so he's definitely climbing back up yeah yeah absolutely he was 12th after the first month he's up to 9th so like you say it's really paying off for him speaking of shrewd captaincy picks shout outs to SK11 and Middleton FC who both captain Salah doubling 13 points to 26 and of course my dad now as we say we never punish a bad differential captaincy pick so he absolutely deserves a shout out for his choice of Antonio which unfortunately only got him a couple of points uh, but which was fine you know 60% of the teams in the league captain Lukaku which was only four points so it wasn't wasn't the end of the world this week he must have been really looking forward to that game because you think that Lukaku and Ronaldo both blanked on Saturday yeah you know there were a lot of people like me I'm sure you were probably the same where you were looking at Antonio, who was going to be coming up against Brentford, who just conceded three the week before, mm. and just thinking, why didn't I do that? So, you know, in hindsight, it was really looking, and obviously we've seen the highlights, and West Ham created a bunch of chances. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, it's unlucky there. It was a, it was a, I can see the logic. The logic was good. And, of course, final shout-out for Gambino's 
who are currently bottom, but they played their wild card last week. So uh, all eyes on them over the next few weeks. Yeah, I just had a quick look at the team, and it's a it's a really solid wildcard team. You know, it's the, there's, there's a lot of players in there that I'm looking to bring in as well. So okay, interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting if um, Gambinos can can use that as a launch pad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people got semi screwed over by um, Alonso not playing as well this week. Oh god, the, yeah. the <laughs> Chilwell returning, as we've been saying that he will have done for the last six game weeks. Uh, Finally yeah. staking a claim last week. Yeah, it was all like because I brought Alonso in for a hit, thinking that you know I'm probably going to wild card the week week after anyway. It's a great fixture for Alonso if he plays, but yeah, Chilwell came in and just reminded us that there's always those risks whenever you pick a Chelsea or a City player. It's just it's so hard to get one of them right, and it looked like it was not going to be that bad after Chilwell. Chilwell gave away a penalty um, but then he like scored a goal and yeah. not just that like got into a bunch of great positions going yeah, forward yeah. as well so it does look like he might have got that place yeah. like on, on corner on set pieces as well just yeah. always squeezes himself on him doesn't he I, until mounts back at least yeah I mean I don't, I don't know what I'd do now if I still had Alonso like obviously I've just shipped him because I'm rejigging the whole side but if I was someone who brought Alonso in or you know had him and I had more pressing matters to to deal with. I'd, it's tricky knowing who's going to actually play. Do you think Chilwell's got that spot now? I don't know. It is, it is chasing points, though, I think, now. Now that there's a 50-50 probability there, I, just, I don't think you can commit to either at the moment. Yeah. So it's my under-the-radar... You know, like when submarines looking for things along the seafloor. Yeah. If it's a kind of you know science-based exploratory submarine and not like a, a military one, which we would be looking for foes. I'm actually looking for, <laughs> to dig up some some really good little fish that can uh, come into fantasy teams. And the first one, Huang, who's 5.6, isn't exactly going under the radar because he came jumping out of the water like a mullet fish. Oh, this is brilliant. I'm really enjoying (laughs) this already. (laughs) Came flying out of the ocean with two fine goals against Newcastle. But he's still only owned by 4% of teams. So, you know, he's... He's, he's clearly off the radar. He's only 5.6. He's got great fixtures coming up. And the strike partnership that he seems to have established now with Jimenez just looks really good. I mean, I've looked at the average position and, and like Jimenez is still playing central and Huang is playing on the left. But he's making all of these runs inward and kind of Jimenez is dropping back a little bit so that... Huang can kind of like come off the blind side of these defenders. You know, it's hard for them to sort of track these runs that he's he's making that are kind of curving around the defender. And Jimenez, as we've already mentioned in previous weeks, has got really good creativity. He's creating loads of chances. So it's kind of reminiscent of when he Jimenez had that relationship with Jota. You know, who was also like someone who played off the left but came in, had a really good goal threat. You know, he's got Villa, Leeds, Everton and Palace next four games. Salivating. Yeah, I'm I sure. think He's, he's, he's a really good cheap option. So, yeah, do, are you going to be bringing Huang in? <laughs> Jumping on the Huang, Huang wagon? Can we go <laughs> yeah, with that? That's good, yeah. Jumping on the wagon, the band wagon. Yes, OK, we've got it. <laughs> Am I? I would love to. I just have bigger fires to put out at the moment, I think. And yeah. and by the time by the time I do, I think his fixtures will have turned. It's nice to have that sort of, like, a, a 5.5, like Dennis sort of, teased being at the start of the season yeah. he still might be he is just a, a cheaper Jimenez isn't he at the moment and more than cheap enough to take a risk on 
Yeah, definitely. Another little cheapie that's uh, going under the radar is Mbomo, 5.5. So we've mentioned him quite a lot, but he is definitely still, you know, a differential. He's only 1.3% owned, which is like, tiny, right? And he's got two goals in his last three games, and those three games were really difficult. They were West Ham, Liverpool and Wolves. Wow, yeah. So, even Wolves, I mean, they, they have a great defence. You know, they've only just started scoring, but that's, that's a tough defence to break down. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, because of that, I wouldn't even be surprised if he scored against Chelsea, which is the next game. I mean, Chelsea, last few games against Villa, City, Southampton, they haven't looked as solid as they promised to be at the start of the season. So while I think they'll probably win that, I wouldn't put it past a Brentford side who are full of confidence to get a goal and then you look beyond that game against Chelsea and he's got Leicester, Burnley, Norwich Newcastle so that's a really tasty run and the main reason that he's been coming up on this review is because his stats so from all the midfielders only Salah, Mane and Jota the three Liverpool front men have recorded more big chances than Mbomo wow which is insane that is and he has an expected goal involvement of 3.74 which sounds a bit meaningless as a number right but when you put it in context only those three Liverpool mids who I just mentioned are above him on that metric so he's, he's right up there with the big boys He's only 5.5. His fixtures have been difficult. They're now going to get better. And and the the only other question around whether you would bring him in, I think, is whether you would want him or Tony if you're looking to get one of those Brentford attackers in for that good fixture run. And there's not that much between them, like, stats-wise. They're both getting a lot of chances. And I think it just comes down to the fact that Tony's got penalties, so, you know, that would probably bump his figures up a little bit. But Bomo's going to get the extra points as a midfielder and he's cheaper so if your team structure is you know maybe you've got five in midfield I think Mbomo is a, a great option and he's currently in my wildcard team yeah I mean I, I'd absolutely do the same if, if I had if I hadn't used my wildcard a couple of weeks ago he's a perfect sidestep from some of those other options you know Gray or Townsend if they, if they stop firing and the Arsenal lads as well yeah exactly like I feel like that's where a lot of seasons are kind of made it's- you might get a few defenders that you want to set and forget. Like, you you know, you you get your Trents, you get, like, a Chelsea defender. Um, you'd expect them to get points in any kind of fixture, so you just kind of keep them whole, all season. And it's the same with those big guns that you just mentioned, like um, Lukaku and Ronaldo, etc. Like, they're going to deliver in every kind of game, so you don't really move them around. And it's these little nuggets <laughs> that you kind of rotate. Um, and... Yeah, I think if you've got that spot in your midfield, like one of the Arsenal lads, like you said, or an Everton one, then Mbomo could be someone you jump on to from them if you're, if, if you're getting a bit bored. If it's a third striker spot that you um, are rotating instead, you might be tempted by my next pick, which is Adam Armstrong. Right, OK. All of Southampton are pretty much off the radar, right? And there's yeah, a reason yeah. for that, which is because... They haven't really done anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's politely put. <laughs> yeah. But they, they've had a really tough start to the season, right? They lost Vestergaard and Ings. We've mentioned that a few times. Yeah. Uh, two of the most important players. And from the seven games that they've played so far, four of the opponents finished in the top six last season. So that's that's a huge amount of like really tough games that they've had. And they've only actually played one team that finished in the bottom half. So they're coming up now to a fixture run that really changes. So they've got Leeds at home next, who have obviously been very shaky so far this season. They've got Burnley, Watford, Villa and Norwich wow. after that. It doesn't get better than the run that Southampton have got at the moment. And 
you know, Armstrong's played every game. He got off the mark with a well-taken goal against Everton in game week one. And in terms of like the chances that he's been that he's been getting, obviously they've been difficult chances because they've you know they've been against good sides. He's probably had to snatch at them a bit more. So his numbers of big chances haven't been that big, but they're getting the ball to him. You know, he's in terms of minutes per chance, he's around the likes of Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Bamford and Aubameyang. You know, he's, he's, he's actually getting more chances per minute than Lukaku. Wow. So the, he's definitely receiving the ball, and, and now that he's going on a better fixture run, you're probably expecting to get a bit more space, a bit more time to actually um, convert some of those chances. So... It's it's always tricky to jump on a player straight away before they've really started scoring the points, but it's really satisfying when you do yeah. uh, get there ahead of the curve. That's the biggest payoff. I hadn't even thought about Southampton players, like you say, let alone Armstrong. I can't see a better run of fixtures apart from Chelsea's, but it's going to cost a lot more than £6 million to get into Chelsea's side at the moment, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> <clears throat> any of their starters, especially a nail, or even even some of their rotation. So yeah, what a great what a great find, Tom. What's those? Do you know what his ownership's like at the moment? I can't imagine it's going to be very high because obviously he hasn't scored since game week one. But, um, <laughs> it's um, ownership of two point six at the moment is very low. Wow, but is it higher than a Boma? Which is interesting, given that a Boma's been scoring. Great picks this week, Tom. Very under the radar, I would say. <laughs> you comfortable? Yes. Okay. I'd like you to do now is look straight ahead, blink a little bit, open up, your ocular surface looks good, we'll take your intraocular pressure now. So who's been passing the eye test? Uh, number one, I've got Elise. Now, I don't want to lose you before I've even got you here. <laughs> I am aware he only played for 20 minutes, but what are 20 minutes? It's, e- it's quite easy to come on as a sub, I think, and you know the manager just sort of pats you on the bum and says, go on, change the game. <laughs> and my God, did he, though. Yeah. He, was, he should have had two or three assists. He's obviously scored a goal and got some points for that few tasty fixtures you know tentatively considering it's palace and we're still a little bit unsure about how they'll uh, how they'll perform but he was the best player for reading for the last two seasons still quite young i believe he didn't i don't think he came on for gallagher but he came on at a time when gallagher, he, he filled in that position very well uh, and it makes you wonder if if it will be a regular thing for us gallagher owners but i just thought he looked absolutely cracking i saw his goal that was really well taken and I might have seen a couple of the chances that he created on that match of the day. Yeah, but I mean, he got the hockey assist for the uh, second yeah. as well. I wonder whether he might be like Vieira's boy as well. You know, you know, like yeah. he. I, I, I know that he's been struggling with an injury or something, right? That's why he hasn't really featured so much. Yeah. So far, you know, he seems really exciting. You know, he's he's really young, and it looks like Vieira's going to be trying to reinvigorate Palace well he is reinvigorating Palace by bringing you through you know Gallagher's another case in point isn't he right and yeah I wonder whether yeah you could Elise could be that another yeah I mean the thing is as well that always that I always think you know when you're playing FIFA always weighs in my favour is that Gallagher's on loan it's all well and good harnessing that talent but I'd much rather someone who I've got who's permanent a permanent uh, fixture a really good point, yeah. so I'd much rather play Elise but hey I'm, I'm not a manager what do I know <laughs> uh, also, you know, considering we just had your under-the-radar hits, Elise is currently owned by 0.0% of all oh managers. God. So he is as under-the-radar as it gets. There's uh, your blobfish this week, Tom. <laughs> That's the blobfish this week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've got to have one a week. Anyway, moving on to my next one, a slightly more well-known name of uh, Timo Werner. 
Oh, yeah, I'm so glad you brought him up. I couldn't believe what I was seeing at the weekend, and I can't believe I'm saying this now, but I think he's a viable option. He's obviously cheaper than Lukaku. Uh, he looked sharper than Lukaku. He scored. He had a goal disallowed uh, harshly. As always. Perhaps very harshly, <laughs> actually, this time. Ca- caused all sorts of trouble against Southampton, who, like you were saying last week, don't have an awful defence. And that's twice in a row he started now, Tom. As we all know, and we keep saying, Chelsea's fixtures are turning very favourable. I know, I mean, he would be a delicious alternative to Lukaku, wouldn't he? Mm -hmm. He's significantly cheaper. I mean, he's 8.6. If he's going to be the strike partner, and he's 8.6, I know that, like, Lukaku had a strike partner in Inter last season, right? In Lautaro Martinez. Mm -hmm. And... You know they 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 worked well in t- together. Like you know, Martinez's output was was good. Like he he scored a good amount of goals, got a, not you know racked up a good amount of assists. So there's, there's no reason why having Werner, you know, or Werner's success would come at the expense of Lukaku. And so if they're both doing well in a kind of Salah and Mane type situation, but one of them is like three to four million cheaper then that is a really big temptation. Because like we've seen with some of these others, like Salah and Mane, like, you know, Salah's on the penalties and he's a better player, I, I, I would say. But Mane can keep up with him in output to a certain degree. But, like, FBL have priced them almost the same. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. so you're never going to go for Mane over Salah. Whereas if Mane was something like 10, or, or, or definitely if he was below 10... You'd be like, well, I can do a lot with that extra two to three million. Yeah. So if Werner's going to carry on starting up front for Chelsea, oof, yeah, it's just it just feels a bit too soon to jump on it now, like because we've seen him have one good game and he's played, I think, two games up mm. front with Lukaku. I kind of want to see like maybe one more. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he he lit the better of the two players, didn't he, at the yeah. weekend? Yeah, well, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm actually. I was. Go, I had. I had a stat about this for later on, and I'll bring it up now because it's incredible. So here we go. In the past two league games, okay, Lukaku has only had two goal attempts across those two games, uh, which were Southampton and City. In the same space of time, Werner has had eight. Wow. <laughs> so Werner's been like getting in the box a lot more, having a lot more shots. During the time that they've been playing together, Werner has been the more threatening of the two, mm. which is crazy, right? Yeah, and it's making me wonder if I should make the switch already. I know you're you're saying wait and see, but wow, that that's that's certainly something to go off. Lukaku's been a bit of a frustrated figure as well recently, hasn't he? I mean, he just mm. doesn't look very happy, and yeah, I think some people will start to get a bit jerky if uh, if he if he doesn't return again against Watford this weekend. Brentford. Brentford. And final pick, Damari Gray. Now, you have to bear with me here because we do mention him literally every week. Some Max Mans afterwards. He's becoming coming a bit of a meme on our podcast, but I try and include players that play well on blank, especially if we if our knees start jerking, we think, you know, Gray didn't get any points against United, get rid of him. But his performance against United was akin to Salah on a good day, I've got in my notes. What? Which, yeah, yeah, I, I, probably, <laughs> probably back page of the Sun headline for you there. He was the furthest forward for most of the game. His hold-up play was insane for someone who looks so light on his feet. 
including for their goal. I don't know if, if you saw the goal at all. Um, the celebration I particularly loved. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I mean, a really I, crap version of this Ronaldo one, right? It was brilliant. A couple of tasty fixtures after, or maybe including West Ham coming up. He's only had one return in the last three game weeks, which I think was the week before last, but I thoroughly recommend holding for now. I think he's still as dangerous as, as he promised to be the first few weeks. Please, please hold those knees. Yeah, I, I think he's a great pick. He, he looks so exciting, like you say. And um, I think he got man of the match against United. Right, OK. Wouldn't surprise me. I, th- I think that's true. And I'm, you know, trying to work out which of these Everton cheapies is the best. You know, Townsend just keeps <laughs> ripping it up. Like, he's, he's in his last four games, Townsend, his points return in fantasy is 12-2, 10-10. Wow. It's just insane. That's like Salah levels. Yeah, and has he ever scored from inside the box? Because every goal he scores is a banger. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So he's, he's a delight to watch even if you don't have him in the team. Yeah, and so he looks great. Uh, Decore looks great. And what I guess we might start to see is the return of Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. Mm. You know, I, th- I think the, sh- the sort of silver lining of Richarlison being injured is that he's probably not going to be on international duty, which means he might have more of a chance of playing, even though he's injured, than some of his Brazilian um, compatriot, compatriot. compatriots. Yeah, nice. I think Gray's a really exciting pick, yeah. We've, we've, I mean, we've mentioned him every week. He's great. Was that a pun? <laughs> It's great. <laughs> yeah. like it. It's terrible. It's a bit of a reach, but we'll let you off there, Tom, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Just for this week. Okay, well, as you know, I am on a shopping spree, supermarket sweep over at um, <laughs> Bob Geldof's house. Dale Winton's not knocking on your door, is he? <laughs> yeah. I'm dancing down the aisle, throwing all these nuggets into my basket because I'm on the wild card. So my shopping list, I thought long and hard about this week. The first one, we've mentioned a few times before, Kayu Saka obviously broke everyone's hearts in the Euros. Everyone kind of felt for him. So he's kind of darling, as, as we all know. And he got us all really excited last week when Arsenal just pummeled Spurs in the North London derby. And then obviously went on to play out this really dull, dull, nil, dull, dull? This dull, nil, nil with Brighton. <laughs> you, might as well, you might as well call it dull, dull, though, <laughs> yeah. aren't you? A game where, you know, neither side recorded a big chance. Right. So uh, I don't know how much you can read into it because Brighton are actually performing brilliantly. I mean, mm. and we've got to consider them to be at least a top eight side. So you look at Brighton away, you don't think it's a juicy fixture. No. So, and I like, as I said, as I've said in previous weeks, you know, we don't need to think of Arsenal as a big six team in order to see the potential for them in fantasy anymore. The players are so cheap, like Saka, 6.3. Smith Rowe, I think, might have gone up now to 5.4, mm. like, or something like that. I mean, they're so cheap that you've, you've got to be looking at them as, like, newly promoted players and comparing them against your Mbomos and and your SARS like that that's that's the people that are in the same price bracket and you know Arsenal have got a, a fixture run coming up now of Palace at home Villa at home Leicester away and Watford at home I mean that's a really good fixture run and they're probably going to score goals and Saka's probably going to be involved so you know at the moment you know I think he's going to be in my side I think he's an exciting player to watch and he's really cheap I don't know if you're 
tempted another mid mid to throw in the mix Sars gone already yeah Saka is the man to replace him uh, in, wow. in drop, drop me exactly like you said he's a great sidestep into the Arsenal team from Sar and Watford sort of being up in the air like they are I'll wait and see I mean obviously me getting rid of Sar means that he's going to score a hat-trick at the weekend so keep, keep hold of him for this weekend guys but I don't know what drew me to Saka over Smith Rowe that's the only thing yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things that I would favour Saka for. I think he definitely gets in the box more. So in that Brighton game, for example, Saka recorded more penalty box touches than any other player in that game. So he's he's clearly getting into the box more than Smith Rowe. So, so therefore, you know, he's probably going to be getting on the end of chances a bit more. And then I'm still not 100% convinced that if someone like Lacazette or Pepe or someone like that at least might come on and yeah. start getting occasional 30 minutes. I'm not 100% that Smith Rowe's not going to be the one who gets taken off, because if you look at um, Smith Rowe in recent games, I think he is the one who, who's been making way. You know, he played 60 minutes against Burnley that time. Uh, to be fair, he actually played full full games after that, but yeah, I, I, I do wonder whether Saka is more nailed. I just think that he's, 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 he's their kind of young superstar, Saka, so yeah, I would prefer him. So second on my list oh, yeah. is a player I'm really excited about and I can't believe how under the radar he is, right? No one seems to be talking about I'm Eric Laporte. I, I just... Everyone... There's a lot of hype around getting a City defender at the moment. They've obviously got a really tight defence we've yep. talked about every week so far and they're finally embarking on a run of fixtures now where you'd be looking at, um, you know, run a clean sheet, you'd imagine. They've got Burnley next at home. Last three times they've played Burnley at home been 5-0. Um, then they've got Brighton away, who, like we've said, is probably a tough fixture, but probably not for the defenders. You wouldn't expect Brighton to score. You might not you know, be relying on much, expecting much from your City attackers that week, maybe, but you'd definitely be looking for maybe a clean sheet. Then they've got Palace at home. So that three games yeah, is, 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 is really good. And I, I just think like people, have, they might be a bit more swayed by Stones' resurrection last season than they ought to have been. So Laporte was obviously first choice at the beginning of the season. You know, he, he was City's best defender the year before. Diaz came in as his partner. That's what the plan was. Then Laporte kind of dipped in form, got injured. Stones came in and did well in the games that he was he was in and then so just won that place. Then towards the end of last season, Stones' performances started to drop again, and and then obviously he got injured at the beginning of this season for England, and so Laporte came in after that first international break and has just played really well. And one of the another reason I think some people are thinking he might not be nailed is because they look at some of the goals that City have conceded recently and and. and point the finger at Laporte right the goals that they've conceded were Messi and Salah and like <laughs> the, these and, and, and in both cases yeah like um, the, Laporte was run ragged but uh, show me a defender in the world who would do better in those situations than, than Laporte did against Messi and Salah I mean mm-hmm. they, they were just insane like goals and I think, you know, he's, he's significantly cheaper than the other City defenders. He's only 5.5. And listen to this, right? So only Arsenal have conceded more headed attempts so far this season than Burnley. This is City's next fixture. So Burnley have seen 24 headed attempts on their goal in the opening seven games. 
Burnley are also third highest for attempts conceded from set plays. Wow. Um, and among defenders, only Trent has had a higher rate of minutes per chance than Laporte. Who, and, and obviously, like we've already said, that he's got a high rate of a high chance of a clean sheet as well. So I, I think there's a really good chance that Laporte gets a, like a goal and a clean sheet this weekend. And mm. so yeah, he's he's been in my wildcard team since the beginning, and I think he's a really good pick this week if you're looking for a defender. Mm. We touched on it last week about centre backs, didn't we? Centre backs just all they just pass you by, like Duffy as well. You say he's up there with Legend chances. Legend in the making, TM. <laughs> With the chances created as well towards the start of the sorry, what was it in the in the box shots or something towards yeah, the start of the yeah. season? He's still up there. Yeah, Duffy. It, like it's, it's, centre backs really they they just explode, don't they? Sometimes, but we only see the, the fullbacks who take free kicks. You know, Trent and Cancelo being being obvious choices. So we we tend to lean more towards them despite their higher price tag. But you're certainly opening my eyes to the to the beauty of a centre back, Tom. Yeah, and I think if they're cheaper as well, and Laporte is, like, you know, you, if Laporte 5.5, you're looking at, you know, someone who you could get in to replace Shaw, mm. who doesn't look like he's getting any clean sheets yeah. anytime soon. So, so yeah, uh, I won't go on anymore, but I think... Do you, you have any other, do you have any other centre-backs in your wildcard draft? Yeah, so I've, de- I've got legend in the making Duffy. Okay. Because he's still up there for shots inside the box he's getting them he's getting those headers every week and he was unlucky not to score against Arsenal I don't know if you saw the highlights of that but yeah. had a great header there and Rudiger because I just think he's the safest way into the Chelsea defence um, yeah. having been burnt with the Alonso pick that week <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for him to be dropped this week yeah um, so yeah I think some good options at centre back the next one, right? I'm really excited about this as well. Okay. This is like, you know, the what do they call the big bonus prize in Supermarket Sweep? <laughs> is there a really big it's, thing? There's, the a, there's the inflatable fruit, aren't there? <laughs> okay. This is your this is your take home inflatable. Is this it? is my giant take home inflatable, right? Son, I think he's back. Right. Okay. Um, and I'm really excited to have him. So uh, he got a goal against Arsenal, obviously, in that defeat. Then he got a couple of assists against Villa and looked absolutely electric against Villa. He should have got a goal as well. No one had more shots inside the box or penalty box touches than Son did uh, in that game against Villa. So, you know, he was by far the biggest like threat for Spurs uh, in a game that you know, I, I, I thought they wouldn't have played as well as they did. Like, I, I thought Villa are a really tough game, a really tough opponent to, to play against if you're struggling, which is, you know, what they demonstrated at Old Trafford the week before. So Spurs showed a, f- a good amount of character to, to dominate that game. And we've talked about Son time and again in, in previous weeks. And I think, you know, you've always said, like, he's probably the most clinical striker in the league. So if... If Spurs do look like they're just getting to the point where they can just get him the ball, I think that's enough for for, for him to be a great option because you know if he gets chances, he always takes them. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's not Son that I don't trust. It's the rest of Spurs, which is always concerning. That's that's good to hear that he's he's sort of getting those opportunities though because he's he's such a classy player. I'd, I'd love to see him succeed. Maybe not against Liverpool, but just in any <laughs> other situation. I mean, there's a chance that it's a knee-jerk, right? Because unlike, say, Laporte, who has, has kind of just been showing form all the way through the season and, and is playing for a team that's been showing form all the way through the season, it ha- it's pretty much this Villa game that I'm, that I'm taking everything from. Um, right, OK. Like, and who's he yeah. got coming up? Well, that's, that's what swung it for me. He's got Newcastle. Wow, um, OK. So as we're going to move into now with the discussion on 
who's your captain, <laughs> um, I think we'll be returning to him. So I would recommend bringing him in. I think he's, he's a great shout and he's going to be in my team. I'm really looking forward to this, like, who's your captain chat this week. I think, you know, for me, like I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, it's it's a bit of a no-brainer. You know, the, uh, I mentioned, like, the Jurassic Park joke about how uh, Salah always finds a way. He's the best player in the league, playing against a newly promoted team who've just sacked the manager. So what possible reason could you have for not captaining him? <laughs> Where's my buzzer? This is where I come in, I think. I mean, we always tend to be pessimistic, right? We always play our own team down, maybe. Apart from uh, apart from yourself, who's been going about City's defence for the last few weeks. <laughs> There's just telltale signs with Salah this week that alarm bells start to ring as a, as a Liverpool fan for, for the last 32 years of my life. That I would just like to sort of raise, you know, consider me Charlie from Always Sunny with my whiteboard in my background <laughs> connecting all these dots and, and everything seems to be falling into place for a blank week for Salah in my opinion Right so what, what are you basing this on? So <laughs> we all know that Liverpool without defence are nothing and there's a potential of both Alisson and, and Fabinho missing this mm, this, uh, okay. this game week These are, I mean they're all very very um, flimsy but but wait, so that's because of the Brazilian commitments? Yeah, so Brazil play on the Friday morning, very early. And, of course, Liverpool play very early on the Saturday. Oh, God. So it means a lot of Brazilians might miss out. There's rumours that they might get let go early, but I think Fabinho's now starting for Brazil, so he won't be going anywhere. Not that I don't trust the backups, their replacements, but as soon as you lose Van Dijk last season, Liverpool just weren't scoring. And I think that could sort of have the same uh, same effect here. Watford obviously beat us last season. Saar just had an absolute barnstorming game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ranieri, just new into the team, just goes, let's just stick with what you guys know. Uh, we've got Atletico Madrid midweek. Uh, so risk of Salah good. being taken off or even rested like he was against Palace a couple of seasons ago. Bear in mind, he came on and scored two goals. But I really wouldn't be surprised if, if Klopp didn't, Every now and again, he just likes to change things up, and he, it never never ends well. Klopp never knows how to attack new managers, and I know we've got a bit of history with Ranieri. There are two things that I really hate Liverpool matches. Well, three things, to be honest. Up against new managers, Klopp just, I don't know, he can't do his research. I hate post-international breaks, because a lot of the teams we play, you know, it's usually like your Burnleys or your, your Watfords who haven't really had that much international involvement, so they've been prepping for two weeks while Liverpool are fresh off flights. Yeah. And he just, it just never goes well. The 12.30 kick-off, you know, Gandhi rule, which we saw in, in full effect on Gandhi's birthday at the weekend, getting <laughs> a, a solid one point for Ronaldo doubled up to two for, for the majority of managers, but I, I can really see it happening again. 12.30s are just so unpredictable. There's no differential as well here. With Everyone's going to be captaining him, aren't they? And wow, so, well, yeah, but that means people who do go against the grain will make the biggest gains. Yeah, or biggest losses, I guess, really. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, it's the highest risk, high, highest reward yeah. at the moment. I'm, I'm now getting on to my, like, you know, if I was clutching at straws before, then I'm, I'm clutching at 
uh, uh, lollipop sticks now. <laughs> Clutching at lollipops. <laughs> um, he's only blanked one out of seven game weeks, which means, you know, he's going to blank again, right? At some point. It's unsustainable, Tom. Well, it's that's the gambler's fallacy, isn't it? Gambler's fallacy back again. And, and finally, the Robbie rule of everyone I transfer out always hauls, and I've just transferred out, sir. So if that isn't good enough for you, Tom, if your captain's armband hasn't now moved off of Salah, then I, I, there's nothing else I can say. He is obviously by far the best choice on paper, but there's just too much that I just... just too no- I'm also going to the game. Oh, yeah, and, of course. Yeah. And Liverpool never do well when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think they are all really... like Some of them are really insightful reasons, right? Like the players that might be coming back rusty, players that might... Uh, not even be coming back and the idea that Watford will have time to train with, with a new manager, Ranieri as well who historically has been really good at marshalling defences I mean Leicester had a ridiculously strong defence in that right. crazy title winning team yeah, yeah. but it's newly promoted Watford against Liverpool isn't it and he's, yeah. he's the best player in the world at the moment yeah exactly and the thing about fantasy with such high ownership like you say you kind of just die together like, right. like it's it's kind of one of those moment, one of those weeks where, un- unless you really need to make gains because you feel like you're a couple of hundred points behind where you want to be or something, you kind of just stick it on Salah, knowing that everyone will do the same. And if he blanks, you don't really care because everyone else has got the same as you. But I mean, the only other consideration would be if you think someone else has better potential. And I think. There are arguments to say that Ronaldo has an, at least a comparable chance of, of getting a big haul. Leicester have been atrocious at the back. So, you know, like Watford, you, you, like we've said, you know, newly promoted team, um, you know, they've, you know, the, the, the championship defence, arguably. And you wouldn't really put them in the same category as Leicester, who finished fifth last season. But. Leicester had just been awful at the back. They, they, the last time Leicester kept a clean sheet was in game week one. You know, they, they, they've been conceding, like, multiple goals. You know, so last time out, they conceded two against Palace. Before that, they conceded two against Burnley. I mean, they, these are not good attacking teams. Yeah. And they're conceding a lot of goals to them. And now they're going to come up against, you know, Ronaldo, who we don't need to keep reminding everyone is Ronaldo. But he is still off the charts for chances per minute, Ronaldo. So, you know, we mentioned a few weeks back that he was getting a chance every 13 minutes, which was insane. It was like the amount of chances that Leicester were creating as an entire team, he was getting just as an individual. And now that he's gone through a bit of a sticky patch with these games against Everton, where he didn't get anything, and the game against Villa, where he didn't get anything... You still factor them in, and he's still off the charts. He's still getting a a, um, a chance per minute per every sixteen point eight minutes, right? Which you compare to like big other players like Vardy, who's you know top scoring striker. He's only getting a, a chance every thirty one minutes. Wow. And it's the same with Lukaku. So Ronaldo's going to get chances against Leicester, arguably more chances than Salah's going to get against Watford, and and so. I do think there's a there's a debate you can have there, if if you really do think that there's there's a worry over Salah and you do think like maybe I, I am looking to take a risk. I think there's every reason, there's every chance Ronaldo could get a just as bigger or even bigger haul. I'd, he's not in my team. I've got to say because I think that you know United are, as a team are looking a bit sluggish and you know the fixtures that they've got coming up are 
after Leicester are pretty difficult. So I think if I had him this week, I would be excited. But, you know, I'm looking for a number of weeks ahead and, and I think there are better options, you know, in, in the form of, like, Salah and, and the person yeah. we're going to come to next, Lukaku. But first, like, do you, do you think... You know, you've got Ronaldo. Would, yeah. would that be someone you think is he your vice captain at the moment, at least? Yeah, yeah, he is actually. He's. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely going to have to stick with Salah just because I'm chicken and because I just <laughs> I know that if he scores, I want to be able to celebrate at the weekend <laughs> and not have to worry about everyone climbing above me. But also, like you say, it's it's too much to lose, isn't it? If he does, Leicester though, Leicester were so you're so right. They were so awful against Palace. Some of their players, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to jump on at all. Not for a few game weeks yet, but they just, yeah, I could totally see Ronaldo running riot. Some of the stats that you come out with, Tom, certainly cause cause headaches, cause rethinking. It's weird with Leicester. Like, we all thought that when Vestergaard came in, yeah. and, and I think he had one good performance. I think he had a good game against City when they just lost one 0 mm. and they thought, oh well, you know, they've got someone in now, so you know, he can partner against with with Sonchu, who was good last season, and. And things will get better. But, you know, they haven't kept a clean sheet since then. And yeah. things have been just as bad as they were before. And obviously, you know, they'll want to get Evans back and, and maybe Fafana in the long term. But Sionchu just looks terrible. I don't know. He looks a shadow of the player he was last yeah. year. And it's a shame. I'd, I'd be happy having both Ronaldo and Salah this week anyway. But perhaps not that excited about having Lukaku. I mean, earlier on, a few weeks ago, we probably would have looked at this and thought... Salah away at Watford, Lukaku away at Brentford. Yeah, there's not much in it no, now. There's a, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not considering Lukaku at all. It's next week. Next week they've got Norwich at home, and right. and, and and that's going to be like, you know, we're going to do a rerun of our Salah conversation about Lukaku next week. Probably like everyone's going to captain him. He's got Norwich at home. You, you know, he can't possibly look elsewhere. So that's what's keeping him in my team at the moment I don't particularly think he's going to do well against Brentford I think if he had worse fixtures coming up people would be looking elsewhere yeah um, you know Vardy like we've said is, is is doing the business you know Ronaldo's Ronaldo you know you've potentially got other expensive people in midfield that we're going to come to look at in, in a minute that you could you know get money for if you sold Lukaku so mm. yeah we've got to consider him a main contender I think this week simply because he is the main striker for arguably the favourites for the title yeah. and they're playing against a newly promoted side so I think we've got to include him as a as a candidate but uh, 100 million pound player Tom yeah. <laughs> yeah and maybe he's just had a few bad a couple of bad games can happen to anyone Ronaldo's done the same arguably so the differentials, I think there's some really exciting options for this week. Like, so if, if you are trying to do like a, a one size fits all and and you know bet against the house or whatever, go against the grain and say, you know what, I have completely been convinced by Robbie's concerns around Salah. I think Ronaldo's been crap. He's a he's, he has been. He's 36. <laughs> then 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 you can look to quite a few exciting differentials. I think this week. So I've already talked about Son. He's coming up against newly rich Newcastle, who you know, along with Norwich, remain the team to target when it comes to captain selections. I mean, Jimenez showed that last week. Quite a few people brought him in for the game against Newcastle, and he didn't disappoint. I remember the week before, quite a few people brought Sarri in again for the game against Newcastle. Yeah. He didn't disappoint. You know, I think getting players in who play Newcastle is just a decent strategy at the moment. They've, 
just conceding so many big chances. And, um, you know, Son, he, he did well getting in behind the wing-back last, last, in the last game, uh, which I think for him was Matty Cash. Um, he's going to be coming up against a wing-back system again with Newcastle, albeit that's probably a bit more of a flat-back five. But still, I think, you know, it's, it's a great game for him. And he, he he's my vice-captain at the moment. And I, I have just as much faith in him as I do in anyone else this week apart from Salah. I think I think he's the second-best option this week. OK. Well, between him and Ronaldo, but Ronaldo's yeah, yeah. a bit more expensive. I, I, I'm a, is this a knee-jerk? Do, is, he, is he just had one good game and I'm suddenly like going, oh, son? <laughs> <laughs> it's again, it's like, oh, Spurs. Like, I just don't know if I trust him. But, new, yeah, Newcastle, apart from some axe man, are just terrible, so I'm not surprised. It's like Targeting them is, is definitely not a bad tactic at all. OK, so the next one... I think you might find a bit more comical, right? So, Abamyang. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got just PTSD. I'm just like flashing back to last season when he was listed as a midfielder and everyone jumped on him for the first few weeks. Yeah, he was God. like one of the most owned players. Highly, highly, most highly owned players at the beginning of last really? season. Wow. Where's he been? It's um, it's El Tomico this weekend, right? <laughs> oh, City Burnley. <laughs> yeah. No, no, oh no, 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 Palace, uh, Palace Arsenal. The two teams that you touted at the start of the season, one to do <laughs> dreadful and one to do really well. I've, I've dubbed it El Tomico. I love the fact that there's two Tomicos. The two Tomicos. <laughs> because, because I, I, you know, I grew up in Burnley for a bit as well as Manchester, so there's, that's a bit of a Tomico for me as well. Are they both both this weekend? Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I guess I did kind of hype Arsenal up, mm. and I really... Talked Palace down, which um, I'm being kind of you know shown up on both counts. But I do think Abamyang's kind of in that Vardy category where you know you could bring him in. You know he's cheaper than Vardy. I think he's nine point nine or something like that. Uh, he scored in two of Arsenal's three home games so far this season, and you know uh, you'd expect him to find a way to do that against a Palace team that's. Mm conceded eight goals in their three away games That's so far weird. this season. So I do think he's a great choice. I mean, again, if you're looking ahead, you know, Arsenal have got a really good fixture run coming up. If you if you really want to go differential, I think you can, you can you know, have a, have a go at um, Aubameyang. I mean, he's, he, at the moment, he's looking as decent as Lukaku. So. Yeah, 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 why not? Yeah. There's something weirdly formidable about Arsenal at home. You know, considering they're one of those teams that plays in the sort of stadium that feels quite far away from the pitch, it just feels too big, and you know, the, the, it doesn't feel like they're filling up at the moment. But they just look like a different beast. I think. I yeah, don't, I don't know what it is. It's true. They like the home comforts, don't they? Yeah, um, it's a good way of putting it. So yeah, I mean, I think he'll score. I think I, think, I, I just, I just think Aubameyang will probably score this weekend, and it's a, probably a bit of a stretch to say let's rip your team up to get him in. Yeah. But I think if you were Going to wild card next week, for example, and you're just looking for a one week punt. I mean, you could definitely bring him in. The next one, I think, is probably more exciting, right? So, KDB, remember him? <laughs> like, okay. So, the game's top scorer from two seasons ago, like, that is in no one's team. Is, is he not at all? His, I mean, his 
selection stats must be dreadful. I think he's in 2% of teams wow imagine say, telling me that two years ago but now yeah. I kind of believe it yeah he's so he was the highest point scorer in the game the season before last he's the main attacking outlet for the second if not arguably the most attacking side in the league you know definitely the top two you know and, and he played his first full 90 minutes uh, against Liverpool wow so so you know, he did look leggy in that game, obviously, um, and we haven't seen much of him before that this season so far. But he's, you know, he was Player of the Year last year. He, you know, he's, he's. He, we all know about how good he can be creatively. But one of the things that I thought stood out that was quite surprising was that no player in that City Liverpool game had more shots or more shots inside the box than De Bruyne. Really? Okay. So, you know, th- that includes Salah, Mane, Foden, all the other scorers. Like he's, And I think the reason for that is that in this false nine system that City are definitely hampered into playing now, like, the, you know, Aguero's completely gone, Jesus has gone on strike-a-strike <laughs> and, and just said, I'm a winger now. Um, so they have to play that. And in that system, De Bruyne gets further forward. Like, he, he, he arrives in the box late, which is, you know, what a lot of classic high-scoring midfielders have traditionally done and, and that's what he did at Anfield and that's where he got his goal at Anfield and that's where he got most of his chances so I think he's got a lot of potential to be a high-scoring player this week against Burnley at home and you know in seasons gone by we would have seen Salah away at Watford De Bruyne at home to Burnley and thought I don't really know which one to go for yeah 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 no you're right I think as as well if he had if he had played well I mean he scored against Liverpool but if he had been classic KDB form he could have had yeah three or four goals at the weekend he was he like you're saying he was in the right positions he just wasn't I, I think it's a, a cracking choice as well Tom the Tom I test this is where you come into your own <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I have toyed with trying to bring him into the wildcard team but it would force me into the threemium strategy of, of you know having like three big players and I think Salah's obviously undroppable you yeah. just you can't can't possibly it's just non-negotiable and I just think like you said earlier with Lukaku's fixtures like Norwich next week at home as well like could you be I mean if Werner's a possibility then maybe <laughs> um, he's but, at 11.9 for someone who might get rotated out, it's just too much, isn't it? De, well, De Bruyne has been historically kind of nailed, right? He's the only player that is nailed for but, City. Yeah, but like you said, first 90 minutes of the season. Yeah, yeah. Foden and Grealish still, not sure where they're fitting into the team. Yeah. I think Bernardo's definitely nailed, given his form, and we don't know about Gundogan's fitness. He was injured the last couple of games, but... I see. Yeah, he could be back, and that would throw a spanner in the works, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, Complete maverick pick. Here we go. Neil Mopai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, playing Norwich, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the main reason. I just looked at who was playing Norwich. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's that as strikers. There you go. But, you know, he's, he's actually doing really well. He's, he's, he's scored four goals so far this season. Wow. In Re- seven games. Yeah, yeah. Really understated start. I mean, I think he's in some teams. I don't know if you noticed, but I, I'm sure I've seen him in well, some of the teams. I think he might be in Middleton FC. Right. Okay. Yeah, um, I've seen him. Seen him floating about the league. And I think he picks up bonus. You know, like in, in, when when he scores, he's one of those strikers. You know, like some some 
forwards never seem to pick up bonus when they score. Mm. Salah famously has to get score twice to get bonus points. Whereas Mopai, you know, he got uh, a goal in uh, the game against Palace and got all three bonus points there. Um, when he scored against Leicester, he got a bonus point. When he scored against Watford, he got a bonus point. So, yeah, I think the only problem with him is that he's got City and Liverpool in the next two. Right. So... He, uh, he's not on my shopping list, but I think you know there are some people who do have him, yeah. and I think you know they'll probably be rubbing the hands ahead of his game against Norwich this week. Good picks, all all good picks, Tom. But I assume like ninety percent, ninety five. I think this could be one of the highest percentages across not only the top ten k but across the whole game because yeah. a lot of people started with Salah captain, so even the dead teams have got him yeah, this week. Yeah. Yeah, I still think there's a lot of fanboy power when it comes to United players, and I think Ronaldo, as as a kind of just phenomenon in himself, aside from the team he plays for, is, is such a fanboy kind of player that there'll be people who just put it on him anyway, mm. I reckon. But I think anyone who's been watching football <laughs> will, yeah. will put it on Salah. Yeah, so are you ready for the quiz? Am I ready for the quiz? <laughs> <laughs> Is the Pope Catholic? Depends, there's a few Popes, right? Oh, that's true, actually. It's probably not, not good to say anymore. <laughs> Just a little uh, theological uh, pedantic point to throw in there. <laughs> so, question one. Which player recorded the most shots on goal last weekend? Was it Salah in his game against City? Ronaldo in his game against Everton? Or Timo Werner in his game against Villa? Can't be Ronaldo. Can't be Ronaldo. I really enjoy the fact that I've only got three options this week. Ah, oh, wow. Salah or Werner? Werner. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. So, is he a legitimately an alternative to, to, to Lukaku? I mean, he, we've already mentioned that, you know, across the last two games, he's been recording more shots than Lukaku. And no player in the whole league recorded more shots wow. last weekend than Werner. So mm. he, he's, he's clearly, like, you know, getting on the end of Chelsea's chances at the moment. And it'd be so exciting if he ends up being, like, an alternative option to Lukaku, I think. Yeah, when's, when's the second wild card ready? When can I start getting him in my team? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I mean, all this podcast does is make me want to bring in some absolutely ridiculous players, but... Uh, yeah, is it? We'll, we'll see in a few weeks if it's a shrewd move or an e-jerk, I'm sure. Yeah, I think if I was playing my wild card the week after, like, and, and you just had one more week to just to just see if Werner carries on playing up front with Lukaku, then it'd be enough. But I think for this week, we probably want another week. Yeah, but it's a very easy downgrade. Yeah, exactly. So question two. I'm on a roll. On the, <laughs> over the past four game weeks, Okay. Um, so we're cutting the season in half and just looking at a bit more recent form. Over the past four game weeks... Liverpool, City and United topped the chances created table, as we'd expect. But which two other teams make up the top five? So the, we're looking for the other two teams who have made the most chances in the past four game weeks. Is it Everton and Aston Villa, Arsenal and Leeds, or Chelsea and Norwich? I mean, could be complete egg on my face here, Tom. But I'm going to put my neck on the line and say that Chelsea and Norwich would be a ludicrous option. 
So I'm going to go with Arsenal and Leeds. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. It's true, yes. Yeah, and I thought this was a really good, a really interesting point because it shows that, you know, they they both had very difficult starts to the season. So, you know, there was a lot of hopes going into the season around, um, you know, Bamford and Rafinha. And there was a lot of delusion going into the season from people like me about about Arsenal players. But if we look at the more recent form, they've both kind of turned a bit of a corner. You know, Leeds got the first win uh, last week uh, against Watford. Arsenal have, have gone on a, a decent run, really, with a few wins, mm-hmm. uh, including that like big one against Spurs. And the stats have been backing that up. And it looks like both of them have turned a bit of a corner. And they now both go into a run of fixtures, which are really kind. Huh. So I think, you know, going back to the mid-mids, it's not just Saka, but maybe Rafinha, who could yeah. be a really good shout. So, yeah, I think Arsenal and Leeds are... The two good teams to, to keep an eye on Absolutely. Um, for fantasy bargains. Uh, Gotcha, you want to roll here? Well, I mean, not only have you put the stabilizers on by giving me multiple choice, you're you're holding you've put a basket on the front and you're <laughs> holding the handlebars for me as well, as I just pedal, I think. So um I mean we'll see how the rest of this goes, but you know, it, it's it's going pretty well for me so far. <laughs> I certainly don't think it's like that. Um but here we go. So question three, which of the teams facing this week's main captain choices has conceded the highest number of shots inside the box. So this is one of our regular questions, looking at the number of shots that conceded inside the box, because it's usually a good indicator of like, you know, the quality of chances. If someone's shooting from inside the box, it's obviously got a high uh, probability for scoring. So is it Brentford? Have they conceded the highest number of shots inside the box because they face uh, Lukaku, who's one of the main contenders this week? Is it Watford? who Salah plays against or is it Leicester who Ronaldo faces that is difficult I feel like Brentford are definitely up there in fact I'd say all three are probably up there but I'm gonna go with Leicester ding 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 (laughs) (laughs) the surprise on your face Tom (laughs) says it all (laughs) yeah it's Leicester so no team in the entire league has conceded more shots inside the box than Leicester wow how by how many so 80 shots they've conceded inside the box. Wow, so that's huge. I can tell you that Watford, who uh, we've mentioned there, on that metric are mid-table, as are like Brentford. So oh, okay. uh, Watford have conceded 57, Brentford have conceded 50, and these are decent. You know, like yeah, yeah. Liverpool have conceded 55, and wow. Chelsea have conceded 51. Now, I mean, what, one of the things that this doesn't really take into account is the quality of those chances, and if you start looking at big chances, Leicester aren't quite as bad they're actually about kind of mid-table but it's the frequency of chances that they're conceding mm. and we all know that Ronaldo can score with the even most difficult chances right so if, if he's going to be getting a, a high number of chances and we know that you know he historically gets a high number of chances against anyone I just think he's going to be getting hatful against Leicester so you know I think he's he's a really good shout like I'd be expecting points from Ronaldo this week it's probably not enough you know, if I was in your position to sway me away from Salah, but I'd definitely be happy going into yeah. this week with him. I mean, we have said that every week, haven't we? And he's just teased us so far, as Ronaldo. Yeah, I mean, obviously he was, you know, rested in the last game. Mm-hmm. So I guess we've got to take that into account. And I, I, I can see him climbing all over soon, aren't you? To, to put a few headers yeah. in this week. Right, so there's a lot of talk about 
Man City players. You know, they've got that game against Burnley at home and they've got a few decent ones after that we've already mentioned. Uh, we mentioned Laporte and KDB as a couple of kind of nailed choices you might want to get, but obviously some people are quite happy to play Pep Roulette. There'll be quite a few people who might be wanting to bring in one of the more mid-priced uh, City assets. So I thought this was a good question. Of all the Man City players, who has the highest expected goals so far this season? Is it Grealish, Torres, Foden or Gundogan? And that's, they're just midfielders. Is that is that due to the false nine nature of the style of play? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Just remind me, Tom. Expected goals are they averaged out per game or are they accumulative? This isn't per minute, so it will be who's had the most big chances. So it's not going to be like a, a a per minute average, if you know what I mean. Oh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, okay. In that case, curveball. I mean, Torres obviously a Robbie favourite now out of the team Foden looked absolutely class at the weekend gonna go, I'm just going to go with the curveball of Grealish please that is really close man so okay. Grealish for expected goal involvement because yeah. of the assists potential is really high I'd like to change my answer <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually Torres okay because and, and I think like I didn't explain it very well a minute ago when you asked about whether this was averaged out or not but the reason this is quite impressive is because he's missed those last few games yeah and you know, I think the fact that he scored for Spain twice against Italy in what yeah. was a fairly high-pressure game, right? Yeah, the, tidy finishes as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really. I mean, I, I didn't. I, I didn't even know that the Nations League semi-finals were going on. To be honest, <laughs> um, that completely passed me by. But it clearly meant a lot to both teams because I saw the passion and the managers and the crowd and the players yeah. in that game. Like it seemed to be a sold-out stadium as well. So. So that, that was a that was a big game. It wasn't just like scoring a couple against Luxembourg or something. So, you know, he, he he's got that quality, and I just wonder now whether City so have got through that tricky run of really big. I mean, I can't think of three better teams to play really than Liverpool, Chelsea, and PSG at the moment. So, I think Pep was always going to try and favour experience and solidity possession yeah you said it before the games I think you said he had uh, Torres was at risk of being dropped for those games I think you said for Gundogan but obviously sort oh, of the injury yeah. took him out but you were absolutely bang on there so do you think Torres will come back in for the more sort of I think it's possible ones? yeah because think, you wow. look at the next few games right Burnley are going to sit back they always do you'd expect pa- Palace and Brighton um, they might not sit back as much, but they're definitely not going to have the kinds of possession that, like, say, Liverpool and PSG have. So I think you don't need that extra midfielder in there to dominate play, which is what you need against a, a top side. In which case, you know, you would be looking for someone like Torres to, to, to try and give you those runs, offer you that, that more clinical finishing than, than Sterling certainly provides. So... I really wouldn't be surprised to see him start. The the only thing that's hanging over him is he picked up a bit of a knock in that game okay. against Italy and came, had to come off. It'll be um, all right. It'll be fine. He'll, he'll shake that off. <laughs> yeah, I th- and the good thing is we'll know before the weekend, yeah. I imagine. So if he's declared fit, I'm going to be tempted, man. I'm going to be very tempted. But obviously we've we've all been burnt by Torres. Quite a lot of us, you know, yourself, you've been burnt by Torres already this season, so it might just be my turn. <laughs> um, okay, so final question. According to the stats site, who scored? Uh, which is you know a great site that collates a lot of different stats and presents some good analysis. Sometimes they have released a table 
of the most improved players in Europe's uh, top five leagues. Improved from last season? Yeah. Okay. And the one who's highest who plays in the Premier League is who? Is it Trent, Salah, Antonio or Cancelo? Improved, wow. Salah's just having another one of his seasons, right? One season one to Salah is just having another one season. Cancelo's looking class. Antonio are both head and shoulders, seem to be a head and shoulders above what they were like last season. I, I don't think you'll shoot yourself in the foot this late with Trent, although I'd love it if you did. So I'm going to go with Cancelo. It was good logic, very good logic, but it's, it's Salah. Wow, really? Okay. Which I just... I had to include, just because we say that... Um, He's obviously been amazing in previous seasons. Mm -hmm. But these guys who scored are looking at all these underlying stats, uh, what he's been doing, you know, apart from the goals and assists that he's been that he's been racking up. Uh, they're looking at his runs, they're looking at the chances he's ah, creating, okay. all of these different things, and saying that he's taken it up an, an even bigger notch mm. than, than, than he has done the last few seasons. So this is what they've said. They said, Salah is the top-rated player in the Premier League this season, and for good reason. Salah has played a direct hand in nine goals in seven games and is currently on a five-game scoring streak. And he heads, heads into the international, international break on the back of a sublime solo goal against City, which we've already talked about. They've got the bigger kind of mathematical reasons, I guess, for, for, for saying why he's so improved. But I just think, you know, going back to our captaincy debate and, and, and all of that, I think it is possible for him to have the kind of season where... You know, we're now saying he's top of that. You know, we've always said, like, you know, Ronaldo and Messi historically are kind of. You, you have to just go straight to the second tier to talk mm. about who's best in the world right after that. And, you know, there's been people who've floated around that, like Suarez. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Like, you know, pe other people who've been in the conversation, like Neymar, and I guess now we've got a few up and comers like Mbappe and Haaland and Lewandowski. And I think this year. It could it's, that could be Salah, right? Yeah. Salah could be that player, and um, oh, I'd love it, Tom. Oh, I'd love it. And and you think he's at his peak, like age-wise? He's probably he's probably at his peak now. Yeah, yeah. There's the contract talks, which is still ongoing as well, apparently. So you do wonder if it's, is he shop windowing as well? Maybe a little bit. Like it's whatever he's doing. There's something about the City game which I think got everyone excited about him again. If he's elevating, elevated his game this season, then, yeah, there's there's nowhere else to put your armband. But is it six, six out of seven game weeks? He's, yeah, he's yeah. only blanked one game week so far. Yeah. And although I, I although I back him to blank again against Watford, egg on my face next week, more than prepared to, to, to swallow that one. I mean, he's not going to score in every game, otherwise he'd end up with a goal tally of, like, 40. I mean, he scored an assist versus, like you said, probably one of the most difficult uh, fixtures you'll have all season, right? Yeah. Scored against Chelsea as well, penalty. He, yeah, you can't really look beyond him. I, I think it's almost getting to the point of comfort blanket, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it kind of just takes captaincy out of the game because there's someone who's just so consistent yeah. that... You just don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and like I said before, you kind of live together, die together kind of thing, where if everyone's going to captain him, there'll be the one week where he does blank, but it doesn't matter. because mm. so, so that's why it's like a comfort blanket. It's like, well, the captaincy is just kind of redundant and we can just play around with the nuggets. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that brings us to the end of the pod. Nice. I did have, like... 
A, li- <laughs> a little like discussion point I was going to mention about some of these unfavoured premium options that have been coming up in the pod, like Son, Vardy, Ma- Mane, who we haven't mentioned, but all three of them have got more points than Ronaldo and Lukaku so far, and mm. you know all of them have got really low ownership. And I think, you know, hopefully, it is good when you see those kinds of players breaking up the template and kind yeah. of throwing a bit more excitement and 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 letting us have those kinds of weeks where a, there's about four or five different captain options and and that people actually go for, and then you see real movement. Mm-hmm. In, in in the leagues, don't you? So it's just yeah. brave, isn't it? It's just just um, just courage to do something different, I think. And although when I wildcarded a few weeks ago, I felt like I was one week early on the template, and it did me really well. Now everyone's falling into the same trap, and I, I hope to see something different with your wildcard. I really do. You, you just need to be bold. You need to be brave. I think. And players like that, like Son, like Vardy, like Mane. Uh, and ignoring players like Ronaldo and Lukaku means that you can distribute the wealth so so much nicer, so nicely in a team. That's a great point to end on, actually. Let's redistribute the wealth. <laughs> which is basically what we talked about in our first podcast, which has now been deleted. Uh, good luck to you, Tom. I wish you all the best. Thanks very much, man. It's a, so it's a good night from me. Good night from him.